Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the FACT Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am FACT's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today, I want to give a heartfelt thank you to ALK for sponsoring FACT's Roundtable podcast. Today, we're going to meet an extraordinary woman who set out to make an impact in the food allergy world. We're sitting down with Ilana Gallant, the founder and CEO of the Food Allergy Fund, to learn more about her organization and discover how they are changing our food allergy world. Welcome, Ilana. We are absolutely delighted to have you on Facts Roundtable podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Before we start, you have just traveled a very fascinating road to get to where you are today. Can you share with listeners your amazing background and then why you founded the Food Allergy Fund? The short answer is because of my daughter. I have a five and a half year old who was diagnosed with food allergies when she was 13 months old. She had an anaphylactic reaction one fine Sunday afternoon to a food that she had tolerated up until that point. And I looked at my husband and I said, she must be having an allergic reaction. He said, that's impossible. She's eaten this before. And so we sat there debating with each other for a good 45 seconds. We then consulted Dr. Google before seeking medical attention. And that was our introduction to food allergies. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't fully recognize the symptoms of an allergic reaction. I did not know that you could eat a food and still develop an allergy. I now know more than I ever expected to know about food allergies, but it has really become my passion. And so I've tried to merge my personal passion with my professional background in building the Food Allergy Fund. I'm a lawyer by training. I spent a decade working in media and strategic PR. And so I was really focused on how can I change the conversation and for me, focus on research and innovation. How can we really showcase the change that is possible and that is happening for our community? And so the lawyer in me spent about six months doing due diligence on the nonprofit community, looking at other disease states and how they have transformed the research conversation successfully, borrowing lessons from them, and then curating a scientific advisory board that would truly be best in class. Short of going to medical school myself, I needed to form the brain trust that would vet the science that we would fund. And your background to me is just so fascinating, but it's so powerful because you do bring this wealth of knowledge and now you're reaching out to the food allergy community to bring us to the next level. One thing we know for sure is the Food Allergy Fund is on a very specific mission. So can you explain and go a little deeper into what the Food Allergy Fund is exactly and then how your work is impacting the community? 
So we're really focused on solutions. You know, my goal would be to find the cure and help my daughter and the millions of people living with food allergies, children and adults alike. And so the Food Allergy Fund is really focused on accelerating research and an understanding of what is causing food allergies. So the projects that we have funded over the past two years since our inception have been projects that are first of its kind, that are really innovative and collaborative. We place a strong emphasis on ensuring collaboration among disciplines, among institutions, encouraging people to think as creatively as possible, and pushing the envelope in terms of our understanding and furthering the lives of everyone. So I'm happy to kind of go into a few of the recent projects that we funded Yes, please. I would love for you just to go through and explain what type of research you're funding and just that whole process. It's very fascinating. So we host summits twice a year. These are the first of its kind and really unique thought leadership gatherings for the community that bring together all the stakeholders, doctors, scientists, entrepreneurs, founders, advocates, media, investors, um, and everyone in between, right? government officials, regulatory bodies, to make sure that we have the meeting of the minds and we fundraise for our research in conjunction with our summit cycle. So twice a year, we hold our summits. Twice a year, we award research. That has been what we've done since inception, though we have exciting plans to expand and hopefully fund research even more frequently than twice a year. We run an open RFP process by design. It's really important to us that anyone anywhere in the world can apply for research funding. And I have been absolutely amazed both by the the quality and caliber of applications that we've received, but also the geographic diversity. I mean, we've received applications from Japan and Australia and UK and across the United States. And so word is getting out there that the Food Allergy Fund is on a mission, and I certainly am a mother on a mission to figure this out. So some of the recent work that we funded, for example, we funded the world's first fecal transplant trial for food allergic patients, which basically takes fecal matter from a third party that is transplanted into a food allergic adult. The project that we funded is for adults because you need to first prove efficacy and safety for adults before it can be applied to children. And the early results are very promising. The idea is that you can restore the microbiome, kind of the missing gut bacteria, to a better state, an equilibrium state, It doesn't mean that you're no longer allergic. It just means that you will not go into anaphylaxis. And that is the goal. And so there's some really promising preliminary data that we're seeing out of that project. And there are other parts of that project, including biomarkers that might emerge as well. We all talk about COVID vaccines all the time, um, but we just funded the world's first inverse vaccine for food allergy out of the University of Chicago. It's a cross-disciplinary team among the Molecular Engineering School led by Dr. Jeffrey Hubble and microbiome research led by Dr. Kathy Nagler with researchers and multiple labs involved, but it's the first inverse vaccine. It's an animal study at this point, but we're very excited about its potential. Um, We funded a project looking at the presence or absence of certain lipids in infants at birth. So I mean, literally day one uh, to see if that child is at higher risk of developing allergies. And therefore, can we A, predict who's going to be allergic and B, intervene even earlier in life to hopefully change that child and that family's trajectory? 
This is amazing, exciting research. Listeners can't see it, but I'm over here clapping my hands. I'm so thrilled. My son is 23 years old and we have been living with this for 21 years. And this is just stunning to me. I'm sitting here and having these flashbacks when he was two and my allergist saying, you need to learn how to live with this. You need your community. You need other parents to help you with this. And now here we are this many years later, actually having amazing conversations about things that really can change and happen. So this is absolutely stunning work. I do have one question though. What is an inverse vaccination? Most vaccines, right, you inject a dose of a substance that tells your immune system to accept the invader and you develop an immune response to it. But the idea with this study is what if you flip that equation for food allergies? So researchers know that food antigens create tolerance for specific food proteins. And so now this team of researchers wants to create an inverse vaccine that basically puts the particular food antigens to work inside a food allergic body so that they can tolerate their allergy. And we're really excited about the study. It's in its early stages as well, but again, very promising. And the theme throughout the projects that our scientific advisory board selects is innovation, really moving the needle. Let's figure something out that is going to be transformative. My personal view is we're not going to find a cure from one thing. It's going to be really, we need to have a few breakthrough discoveries that working in concert will lead to significant change for food allergic patients. And I have to say, I review all the proposals when they come in. I share them. Our scientific advisory board has very strict review procedures, scoring mechanisms, recusal processes. But I just get so excited reading every proposal. I wish I could fund everything, but I can't. We're we're very actively growing and seeking to fund more research. I think it's safe to say you're almost a scientist. I'm just trying to imagine the learning curve you were on when you started to where you are now going through research and you have the scientific advisory board. And so actually speaking of that, let's actually dive into a little more on your scientific advisory board. I peeked online and you have a very impressive board. Do you talk a little more about who's on the board and then what process you go through? So when you put out the call you know, for research, what happens? And if you could just explain to listeners how this process goes. So in terms of the board itself, I drew up my wish list when I was first starting the Food Allergy Fund of 15 doctors. And I decided, well, if I can't get the best names in the country to sign up, then it's not worth it. It's kind of go big or go home. And so I, I drew up this list of 15 and 13 of 15 said yes to me. And the two who said no said, I'm just really busy time constraint wise, but come back to me when you're farther along. And so our scientific advisory board is truly a who's who. And what is really important to me and kind of how I designed it is both to have representation across almost every major research institution from Stanford to Yale, MIT, Harvard, you name it, to making sure that multiple disciplines were at the table and that I had the best possible person within that discipline. So for example, we have Dr. Martin Blazer on our board, who's one of the world's foremost microbiologists. We have Scott Boyd out of Stanford, who runs the top immunobiology lab. We have the Love Lab, Dr. Chris Love out of MIT, who's a chemical engineer and looks at 
food allergies side by side with cancer because there's some really interesting parallels. We have the country's only NIH-funded psychologist, Dr. Linda Herbert at the NIH. We have Dr. Marsha Wills-Karp from Johns Hopkins, who is the Dean of Environmental Studies there, but also the co-chair of the NIH Food Allergy Research Consortium. So I was very specific about who to approach to make sure that we had a diversity of viewpoints in terms of discipline and research institutions. And what is amazing to me, without fail, every time we put out an RFP, there is a consensus on the top choice. So we always have a very clear winner. They all score. So the way that it works, we send out an RFP. We encourage everyone in the community to share it widely. We certainly send it to a certain mailing list, but then we encourage everyone to share it with their peers and colleagues within their other institutions. And then we get the proposals and our scientific advisory board reviews them. Every person individually, it's a blind process so that they cannot be biased by each other's scoring. And I receive the scores from each individual researcher. If necessary, they recuse themselves if they have conflict of interest because they have helped advise on the study or otherwise involved with very strict recusal procedures. And so then they send me the scores and I get the scores. And every time Even though we have different disciplines, different institutions, we have a clear winner. There's never a need for, well, let's discuss, you know, these three tied for first place. And that to me has been the most interesting part of the RFP process. I guess if you are best in class, which these people are, they can tell what is really going to move the needle. And that is really my open-ended guidance to them is just tell me what's going to move the needle the most. And obviously we fund researchers who have proven track records and, you know, are, are very established folks, but, but it's what is going to move the needle because we're very solutions focused. As an average food allergy parent, you're lifting the veil on this area that we just don't know about. So I really appreciate you letting us know how this comes about and specifically how you pull together this really impressive group to help you move that dial. Listening to what you're working on and hearing what the potentials can be, this is just amazing. So thank you for sharing that. In the past, I have had the pleasure of attending two Food Allergy Fund Summits, one in person in New York, which was just amazing. I walked away just so thrilled. And then the second one was virtually. And I have to confess that when I actually was attending both events, my pen was just flying, trying to write down everything. The speakers were amazing. The information was amazing. It was fresh. It was just very invigorating. So can you tell our listeners about upcoming summits and what are your goals with these summits? So I I come from a content production background. Um, I mentioned working in media. I've been a TV producer, a digital content producer. So I really think of it first and foremost, how can I create the most compelling content to inform the community and also make it shareable outside of the community to get people talking, thinking, learning, and bringing all the stakeholders together. Because until we created the Food Allergy Fund Summits, there was no gathering to bring together all the stakeholders where we have FDA and NIH officials and doctors and scientists, advocates, parents, caregivers, um, entrepreneurs, all in the same room in person 
or, or virtually. Um, so that's really the goal and the genesis of the summits. We do them twice a year. Our next summit will take place this fall. With each summit, we're very focused on making sure that our programming is fresh, as you said, and relevant and timely. And so there are topics that we cover that are evergreen in nature, but we're living in unprecedented times. So most recently, we did a session on how to bring our kids back to the food allergy normal, right? Back to school, back to camp, almost reteaching children how to self-advocate. And so we did a panel with the leading psychologists from across the country on kind of practical advice. We've done a session on the COVID-19 vaccine and food allergic patients because that continues to be an area of concern for the community. So that's kind of the timely, real-time type of programming that we do. But then we look at the big picture, aspirational, inspirational work that is being done in research and innovation in the academic communities and in the entrepreneur communities. We feature four to five CEOs or founders at every summit who have created new companies that are leading the charge to make food allergic lives better, whether it's through consumer technology or new therapeutics and everything in between. And that's always really exciting. I have so many entrepreneurs reach out to us kind of clamoring to be featured. And we have to figure out, okay, who is really changing things? And I pride ourselves on spotting these companies early. I mean, companies that have received multi-million, hundred million plus investments, we feature 18 to 24 months before they go big. So I like to say, I knew the CEO when. (laughs) And so that's been a really fun and exciting part is just connecting CEOs with vision, with passion, with the community and giving them a platform to grow. And then in terms of the scientific research community, we always have multiple world-class scientists participate, share their latest, most innovative research. The guidance that I always give to them is give us a TED style talk, right? Because we have such a mixed audience of attendees that it needs to be sufficiently scientific and detailed, but it needs to also be understandable, relatable, and inspiring. And what I really want the food allergy community to know, and as a parent myself, We have to have hope. There's a lot of momentum. There's a lot happening. And we shouldn't accept the status quo. You mentioned your son is in his 20s. You know, I have a five-year-old. And frankly, not a lot has changed in 18 years. That's a full generation. And we're almost sitting where we were a generation ago. And to me as a mother, that's not acceptable. You know, when my daughter is in her 20s, I want to see a very different landscape with a much better fundamental understanding of what is causing the food allergy epidemic for kids, for adults. I'm doing this because of my daughter, but it's a problem for adults as well. 50% of allergies start in adulthood and we can't lose sight of that either. It's a big task, but I'm so glad you are on it and helping out. You know, I just fully believe everyone has their role in this. And so it's just really beautiful to see your role and how Food Allergy Fund is really participating and making a difference. Food Allergy Fund offers a visionary club. Is this a fundraising endeavor? Is this an educational endeavor? Is it both? And I've heard just wonderful things about this program from many people. So I'd love if you could give listeners a little more information on what it is. We launched the Visionaries Club during the COVID era. What I was thinking that 
is how do we sustain a sense of community of those who are most passionate about research and connecting with top doctors and scientists, right? I mean, that is the silver lining to a virtual world that we can have lunch with a scientist in California and the next day be in New York and the next day be in Miami. And so what we've done is created the Visionaries Club, which is a monthly virtual discussion series where we invite one top best-in-class researcher to talk about a specific area of work. And typically that person talks for 10, 15 minutes, and then we open it up to the attendees to really ask their questions. I mean, there's no other forum, I would say, in the community to get up close and personal with the top researchers and ask them anything you want. There is a membership. It's an annual membership of $500 that is 100% tax deductible. It's really the money goes directly to funding our next research project. But that membership entitles you to monthly participation in the Visionaries Club sessions. Thank you for giving us those details. Before we wrap up today, because we're almost out of time here, is there anything else you would like listeners to hear from you? I think it's a very exciting time for the food allergy community. And, you know, we are hard at work doing everything we possibly can to make a difference for the community. And I'm just so excited um, about the progress that the community is making, that we're making uh, and contributing. Um, And my hope is just that we can gather in person and celebrate the innovation um, and collaboration that is happening in the world, because it's going to, take a village, a very large village to make a difference for food allergic patients. And I think we're well on our way to doing that. And I want listeners to know, Alana and I can see each other, but you obviously cannot. And she is just smiling. And I wish you could just see her enthusiasm and joy as we're talking. So I just want you to know it's there. And you are so right, Alana. It really does take a village. And I'm just so grateful you're part of our village and that we've had this time together. So thank you so much again for your time. I know you're just incredibly busy and we appreciate you spending your time with us. Thank you so much. And I should have mentioned the Food Allergy Fund is a volunteer-based organization. So please get involved, join us, visit foodallergyfund.org, reach out to us anytime on social media through our info page, and please get involved. Excellent. And listeners, I will put the links in the show notes so you can have them readily available. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Before we end today, I just want to thank ALK for being a wonderful sponsor of the Fact Roundtable podcast. Thank you for listening to Fact's Roundtable podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.